Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. There are things that are supposed to be happening before we enter into the last days, and none of those things have happened yet. It's rough in your house. So you want it to be the last days. It's rough on your job. So you want it to be the last days. It's rough with your spouse. It's rough with your family members. It's rough with your fake friends and real enemies. It's rough all over, but it is not the last days. Turn with me, if you will, to 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter. I'll be reading for your hearing the first through the fifth verse, then the 13th through the 17th verse. But like I did last week. Even though I'm reading some of the verses, I'm still going to preach the whole chapter. Amen. 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 I'd ask all that are physically able to please stand out of respect for the reading of God's word. Again, that is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 and 13 through 17. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if, it, as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that it is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Skipping down to verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren beloved by the Lord, because... God, from the beginning, chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold to the traditions which you were taught, either by word or by our epistle. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, For the time that is ours to share together, I want to talk a little bit about God is love, God is just. God is love, God is just. To pick up where we left off last Sunday in the second letter to the church at Thessalonica, also known as Second Thessalonians, 
Paul is writing to a church. There's a church that is sitting in a port town that is popular. This, this church is sitting in an area where uh, they, they, the Romans have thought it very important. They had to put some gov a governor there. Uh, this place was also, they had to run a major highway through this place. And so there was a place that Paul had went to preach to the people about the, the son of God and the gospel and the coming kingdom. And he went to preach them and they ran him out. Beat him up and ran him out. But in response to that, because the message that was being presented was greater than the messenger and those that were trying to mess up the messenger. I'll say that again. The message that the messenger was preaching was greater than the messenger and those who were trying to mess up the messenger. A church was still formed, and that is this letter that he is writing to them because, you know, there was something wrong with the church at Thessalonica. You know, they got formed, and, you know, every other church that's formed is perfect. They never have any problems. They never have any disagreements. Everybody gets along. Nobody has those big eyes and little U's, and everybody loves the church, and everybody loves one another in the church. And not only does everybody love the church and everybody love one another in the church, uh, when the churches are formed, there's no outside pressure. There's nobody on the outside trying to attack the church. But something was wrong with Thessalonian, the church, the Thessalonian church, so they couldn't get their act together. Okay. I don't know what was wrong with them. Why couldn't they be like every other church? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And so they, because they couldn't be like every other church, they had some problems. And because they had these problems, Paul had to write a letter back to the people of the church. Then he had to write another letter. And he probably wrote more letters than that, but two of them got saved. Right. Two of them got saved, uh, and those became part of what we call the Bible. Uh, in this second letter, he's writing to these people because they have this, this bad stuff going on all around them. There's a lot of bad stuff going on around them, and they are thinking this must be the last days. Jesus must be coming back soon, thinking that these must be the last days. They think that they must, these must be the last days based on who is in office. Jesus must be coming back based on how they are treating me at my job. Jesus must be coming back. What is happening to my baby at the school or my grandbaby at the school? Jesus must be coming back. What is happening is on in my own house and that joker that I am still married to with all those things that are going on. Jesus must be coming back. These have got to be the last days because I am not supposed to be feeling like this. I am not supposed to be going through all these trials and tribulations. And so these people at the, at the church at Thessalonians believe this must be the last days. And sometimes when the going gets tough, we love to say that the tough get going. We love to put on that mask on our face and act like nothing is wrong. We love to put on that mask and act like there is no problem around us, but I admire the people at the church at Thessalonians because they were willing to admit I have problems. They don't run around with a smile on their face when they know as soon as they get home, they're going to cry. They don't run around and act like they got all this money in their pockets. They were real about it, but they thought that this must be the last days, and some of us act like when the going gets tough that we get going, but we really are looking for a way to escape, a way to get out. We act like we're the, these examples in the face of troubles and trials and tribulation, but that's because everybody else is watching. When nobody else is around, the story is a little different. And Paul is writing to these Thessalonians to let them know that they have been chosen by God. 
And that while they are going through these problems, these problems are, are, are while they're going through these problems and, and they feel like things are not going fair, that they should have complete confidence in God and know that God loves them. And not only does God love them, God wants to save them. The bottom line, according to Paul, is this, is that God is loving and God is just. Holding those two things together is a key to a Christian life. I propose to you that what is in you is greater than what is around you to the end that what is in you will be able to give you the strength to handle what is in what is around you and what is on its way. Greater is he who is within me than he who is great in the world. What is going on inside of you, that Holy Spirit that is inside of you will give you the strength to handle the problems. Uh, and so, so we, we, we go to this letter and we've covered chapter one and now we go on to chapter two and he's still repeating some of the same stuff. I know you think that this is the day of the Lord. I know you think that Jesus is coming back right now, but this is not exactly the way it's going on. He lets them know about the day of the Lord. Let the church say day. Uh, this is the, the, the day of the Lord is referring to a great coming tribulation and the day of the Lord is and the church. There is some confusion. Let the church say confusion. confusion. Uh, the, the Thessalonian church has been falsely taught that they are currently going through the great tribulation. And Paul's response to them is not to be shaken up. Uh, the text says, do not be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if it is though the day of Christ has come. Yes, these troubles are going on, but these are not exactly the last days. He's trying to get, he's trying to clear up the confusion and he reassures them that this is not the case and that there are things that are supposed to happen before we enter into that tribulation, before we enter into that day of the Lord, before we enter into that time, and those things have not happened yet. <laughs> there are things that are supposed to be happening before we enter into the last days, and none of those things have happened yet. It's rough in your house. So you want it to be the last days. It's rough on your job. So you want it to be the last days. It's rough with your spouse. It's rough with your family members. It's rough with your fake friends and real enemies. It's rough all over, but it is not the last days. He, re he reassures them that this is not the case because there needs to be a worldwide religious apostasy. People stepping away in this appearance of, of an antichrist. Uh, but there's a, there, there's a problem with all that because there's a, he says, not to be shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if it is from us as though the day of Christ has come. Can I just vent for a moment? Uh, yeah, I got the microphone, so I think I will. <laughs> one, of my one of my struggles as a pastor is dealing with uh, people and what they value. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. A lot of people know I'm a pastor, fraternity brothers and, and, and my Masonic brothers and organizations I'm in and people I used to play football with in high school and people I went to college with. Like A lot of people know I'm a pastor. So a lot of people got my phone number. They seem to always find my phone number when a pastor 
does something that they don't agree with. When a pastor buys a $200,000 Lamborghini for his wife, even though he's a national recording artist and he's got a TV show and he's got several books on the New York Times bestseller list, what I'm saying is, is he make money outside of preaching to the people. And he make a lot of money outside of preaching to the people before he even started pastoring a church. Is, is the microphone still working? Okay. Yeah. So, so I'll get a phone call about that pastor that bought the Lamborghini because they want to tell me about how all pastors are crooks. And we, we, we getting rich off the people. They can find my phone number when they don't agree with something that another pastor has done or when they find out how much a pastor of a church that has 50,000 people makes. Uh, they, they, they don't agree with that stuff. So they can find my phone then. But never any other time. When there's a lie being spread around, Everybody seems to want to find my number. But when the truth is found out, it's mine. Do I got, do I got battery? I, I mean, I got battery. It's, it's, I, I'm, I'm good. I got battery. Nobody seems to find the number. And, and, and there are a lot of false claims that will go out. And those false claims will take root. And people will, will eat that up. But when the truth has been in front of their face all the time, they will ignore it. A false claim is a powerful thing, and the lies seem to hold their minds strong. I run into people every day that try to tell me Jesus did not exist. And I spent some time around, around um, some atheists and some agnostics, and, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm one year removed from the millennials. I'm Generation X. And so I, I, I come around a lot of these people, and these people will go on YouTube, and some silly man or woman dressed funny in their living room with a 55 to 65-minute video has told them Jesus does not exist, and they swallow it hook line and sinker but people who have gone to school and done archaeological research and have you know let's if we just take the bible out of it you know if you if you feel like the bible's flawed to prove that jesus didn't exist uh, there there are letters uh, uh, roman emperors from tacitus and, and Pliny the Younger that wrote about this Jesus and they, the, the records of his execution and all of these things are there that ain't got nothing to do with scripture. Say he, he, he existed. There was a man by the name of Yeshua ben Joseph. Joseph. Yeah. Jesus, son of Joseph. Yeah, there was a man that exists, but they will swallow the lie before they hear the truth. So we can't be shaken in by mind or spirit or word or letter as though it is fact. And, and, and so Paul is giving these people clarification. Yes, you're hearing some things that have been falsely taught to you. Yes, you're hearing these things, but this is not what I told y'all before I left. 
And so he provides the clarification, lets them know that there's going to be a worldwide falling away of the gospel before it comes. And there is going to be an appearance of the, of the Antichrist. And the first two verses of the text, the Apostle Paul is encouraging them not to jump to conclusions or be troubled about any word they may have received about the fact of the day of the Lord. And that has arrived. Such, such a report, these claims are deceptive. Because when people tell you what you want to hear, it feels good and you want to take it. That gives you an explanation. But they're saying that Paul is letting them know that before the day of the Lord will come, there's going to be this, this antichrist. Some translations of the text say the lawless one. And, and these things are supposed to go on. And so there's a day of the Lord and there's a day of the Antichrist. He has titles and one of them is a man of lawlessness and one of them is an evil man. And, and there's a tragedy and that tragedy is that he sets himself above all things. He tries to set himself above God and sit in the temple declaring himself to be called God. And this, this travesty, and not only that, there'll be some trickery about him. He'll deceive the world. He'll even have some miracle signs and wonders. Uh, but the good news is, is even though he's got a title and even though he, he's got there's a travesty about what he's doing. And even though there is some trickery that is going on, he will be trampled. Let the church say trampled. He will be utterly crushed and consumed by Jesus in the second coming of the Lord. Paul is telling them everything that is going to happen before the time of the Antichrist, and none of that is going on at the time. Don't just focus on the immediate facts that are going on in your own house, but look around the entire situation. Understand there is a bigger picture in play. Uh, uh, although not explicitly called so in, in the text, uh, this is considered an antichrist figure. They consider that, that this person that is causing all this trouble for them uh, or persons must be the antichrist. And Paul is letting them know that that is not the case. Uh, and, and this text is, is something that is, is, is mentioned and considered, and, and it's, a, uh, it's in a tradition of a bunch of other texts, some early Christian authors uh, describe an opponent or opponents for Christ that will appear soon before the second coming. We have to have a bad guy, right? Someone to blame for our problems and not our own doing. Uh, the Antichrist is supposed to persecute and rage war against the members of the Christian community and, and they'll be defeated. In Mark 13, Jesus talks about the wars and the famines and the like to precede his return. And, and in this scenario that they're talking about, there are individuals that are attempting to deceive the community. But these people that are deceiving the community are not the Antichrist that they are thinking about. And Paul makes the case that the, the day of the Lord has not yet come because everything that's been prophesied before that was supposed to happen has not happened. And those that are claiming that the day of the Lord has already come are understanding, their understanding of the Christian life is very uh, personal. And, and, and these things are, are similar to the, there's a similar problem in Corinthians. And they believe that the reception of the spirit uh, nullified ethical constraints from what they were supposed to be doing. And, and these things are happening and they over-spiritualize their problem. Let me say that again. They over-spiritualize their problem. Some things that are going on 
are not an attack of the enemy. The enemy is not attacking my weight if I don't know how to push away from the table. The enemy is not attacking my heart if I don't want to get up and at least take a walk around the block every now and then. The enemy is not attacking my liver if I have certain beverages of choice that cause my liver to work overdrive. The enemy is not attacking my finances if I hop on I-10 and go east to Louisiana. Shake them up, shake them up, shake them up, shake them. Oh, there goes the mortgage payment. Some things we do on our own. But there are some things that will happen that can be a test of our faith. We go for our annual checkup. And the doctor comes back and calls us and says they found something when we were minding our own business. There are things that are happen that are not, the, that, that are the enemy attacking, but there are things that are happen that are on our own. And so he's telling them that there's the, the day of the Lord is coming and there's a restrainer. And, and that what's going on is not the last days, even though we think it's the last days. Uh, There's a restrainer. The Holy Spirit is holding everything back. And there are events that are supposed to happen before that time. Um, I know some of us would like to think that 45 is the Antichrist. (laughs) But I also know that there were people calling 44 the Antichrist. And there were also people that called 43 the Antichrist. Uh, 42 got called the Antichrist, and 41 got called the Antichrist, and so did 40. They can't all be. (laughs) Your political beliefs are not an attack of the enemy. And so there's a, there's a restrainer that's coming by, and there's going to be a great falling away, and there's going to be a great falling away of the people. And the text is letting us know that there will be plenty of other things that will happen. I, I know that not only will there's, there, there's a day of the Lord and there's a restrainer, but there's a day of the Lord and the unsaved. And, and, and there were people that will be deceived. Now, I know that there are some that would think whatever's going on at the church down the street, they must be the unsaved. But I'd be willing to bet that the church down the street thinks that we the unsaved. Amen. I, I, the mic. <laughs> I'm going to stop there. <laughs> the point is there are things that need to happen. And while we are going through our trials, and while we are going through our tribulations, understand that it's not the great tribulation, and that there is somebody on the inside of us, there is something on the inside of us that will allow us to work through 
those things. And so we have the day of the Lord, and now we move from the day of the Lord to the disciples of the Lord. Let the church say disciples. Uh, Paul gives thanks to the believers at the Thessalonian church. They have been elected by the Lord. God chose them from the very beginning, and they, because they have been chosen from the very beginning, uh, they, they have the understanding. They have the, the support. They have the knowledge. They, while they don't feel like they have the knowledge at that time. They have the knowledge within them. They have the power within them to overcome and hold on during these troubling times. God chose them from the very beginning. I got some Bible for that. Before you were in the very womb, your womb, your mother's womb, right? I formed you. I knew you. Uh, the one who was there at the beginning and the one who was and is and is to come. The one who knows, uh, who speaks and universes are formed, but also knows the number of hairs on our head. Has the power and has put the power in us to make it through these trials. And so Paul tells them with his exhortation to stand firm and keep a strong grip on the truth. Paul assures these Thessalonians that they are on the right track. And I said last week they were on the right track because Paul said they know to love God and love people. And no matter what's going on, he talks about how he's, he's excited in chapter 1 about their love towards God and their love towards one another. And so they hold on to that. And he tells them that they are on the right track. He, he describes them as brothers and sisters loved by the Lord. And he tells them that God chose them as the first fruits of salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through a belief in the truth. He encourages them to stand firm and hold fast to the traditions that they have been taught either by them or by the word of the mouth or by the letter, either by what's been preached to them, what's been taught to them in person, or what they've read on their own when they've done like 2 Timothy 2.15 says, the study to show thyself approved. A workman needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. They need to hold on to those things, and so when everything goes bad, they can look at a Galatians 2.20 and know that I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It is not I who live but the Christ that lives in me. Hold on to what has gone on. Hold on to the fact that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Run and not get weary. Walk and not faint. They have to hold on to what's going on. It's like they said with the seasoned saints. You can't make me doubt him. I know too much about him. You can wake me up at two in the morning and I know that God is still good. I know that Jesus hung, bled, and died for my sins and because he hung, bled, and died for my sins, I have access to eternal life. Because he hung, bled, and died for my sins and rose on the third day that I can do anything. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. Hold on to that fight that was won at Calvary. Hold on to the fact that the cross is still empty and the tomb is still empty. Hold on to that one who lived a life we couldn't live and died a death we couldn't die and made himself the perfect sacrifice. Hold on. God loves you and God is just. Just hold on. 
the first fruits of salvation. It's the, there's a song that says that preachers and teachers will make their appeal, fighting as soldiers on great battlefields. When their pleadings, my poor heart did yield, all I can say is something within, something within me that holds the reins, something within me that banishes the pain. That's something within me I cannot explain. All I know is something within. Hold on to what you've been taught. Hold on to the fact that Jesus Christ has died for your sins. Hold on to the fact that he rose on the third day. Hold on to the fact that he's coming back again. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come. Thank you for listening to this message. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you found this message. If this message blessed you, be a blessing to someone else and share it. Connect with Pastor Johnny on Instagram and Twitter, and be sure to like Faith UMC Dickinson on Facebook.